0: Hello, and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's Politics Podcast. It's Friday, September 15, 2017, and I am your host, uh, provincial affairs reporter Emma Graney. I like forgot <laughs> my job for a second. <laughs> I have been away for a while in Guatemala, but now I'm back. This is the One to Rule Them All edition. <laughs> With me today, managing editor Dave Breckenridge. Hello. How are you today?
1: Pretty good. Pretty good? Pretty so, good. So, yeah. all right. yeah. It's
0: all you can hope for sometimes. City columnist, Paula Simons. And I'm outstanding, as usual. A woman, <laughs> a, 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 a
2: woman outstanding in her field. As always.
0: And Graham Thompson, who was just frowning at me because he didn't like the title of this podcast, Graham.
3: Yeah, you're right. But then you'd be saying, what is your idea?
0: Yeah, Graham, what is your idea?
3: Paul Hinman is not running for leader edition. <laughs> <laughs> There's a news flash. Yes, the
0: biggest news out of Alberta politics in the last, what, three months, I'd say, probably, Graham. Oh, Anyway, so what we're going to talk about, a couple of things here uh, this week. We're going to talk about the Filda rule. Well, actually, it's the Filda brand rule, if you um, believe Alberta Party leader Greg Clark. Of course, the Member Services Committee has passed a rule saying that MLAs cannot rent out their taxpayer-funded apartments on Airbnb or through any third party. We're also going to talk about another way of ruling. Who's going to rule the UCP? There's been some developments there. Graham named one of the huge ones. And we're going to talk about something that was really, really far away. Uh, it was the Cabinet meeting in Fort McMurray and why the NDP were up there this week. Let's start off uh, talking about the of Rule, because that's what I'm calling it now. <laughs> it's catchy. I like it. Thank you. I, I think, like it. Well, you can thank Greg Clark. So yesterday was the Member Services Committee, now the Member Services Committee. It oversees all things to do with... Um, money and MLA's expenses and all that kind of jazz. And they kind of had to, Graham, don't you think? They had to pass something here?
3: Yeah, it's ridiculous in a sense, having to pass a rule telling MLAs, thou shalt not rent out your government or the taxpayer-funded apartment on Airbnb. But they had to do something because of what Filterbrand did, of course. We all know this, that uh, he took his taxpayer-funded apartment in Edmonton and he had it rented on Airbnb and he pocketed the money. And that story broke, thanks to you, Emma. Uh, he was forced to give that money back. Uh, so they had to show something that they're actually getting uh, serious with this, especially for the uh, UCP. The, the UCP had to show that it was not supporting Filterbrand on this. So the UCP actually was the one that uh, was pushing this as well, I think even more so than the NDP. Well, and you were there. The, cause, yeah, because they were
2: yeah. they were the more embarrassed.
3: Absolutely. Well,
0: yeah, and so uh, Nathan Cooper, who's the interim UCP leader, he was the one who introduced this motion. And you're right, Graham, because, of course, when all this broke, in their news release they were saying, you know, we are going to introduce measures to make sure there's more accountability, more transparency. So they had to do this. I mean, you know, they had to be held to their words. And it would
2: look absolutely appalling if... They didn't, too. Well, you know, I I think, though, that one should say that it, this sort of vindicates Derek Vildemar, because clearly he wasn't breaking any rules That's by right. by enterprisingly so does not bloody. vindicate <laughs> him.
3: Maybe legally you could say it vindicates him, <laughs> but in politics, optics is everything.
2: Yes, yes, I, I use Vindicate in imaginary air quotes. And I would just like to say that I think this is a great loss for downtown Edmonton tourism industry. And that <laughs> once again, I would like to say line. Derek, Derek Filderbrand should be commended for helping to support tourism in the, in the city core and support the farmer's market and the Remedy Cafe up the block from him. And, uh, now, yes. it's, it's worth noting <laughs> right now that
0: um, – so in the member services committee, it started off with um, member Cortez Vargas, who's with the NDP – she was first to talk, even though Nathan Cooper had asked. Apparently, she, uh, she asked first to talk first. So, she did. And they've passed a motion before the filter rule saying that there's a subcommittee right now that's looking at everything to do with expenses. It's looking at how they submit expenses, how what expenses are, how they're accountable about expenses, how they can expect allowances to work. It's a very uh, deep dive into expenses that this subcommittee has been working on this since January. So, now what the committee has also done is given more power to the subcommittee to make more changes should they feel the need. Because at the committee meeting, Greg Clark was there, even though he's actually not even a committee member, nor can he vote, nor can he put any motions forward. But that didn't stop him being there yesterday and giving his two cents worth. He's a one-man party, he is. Yeah, Um, and giving interviews afterwards, um, of course. And so he was concerned that... This particular rule that specifies Airbnb, but it also does say all through any third party or any commercial interest. So it's, it is quite broad, but he's like, well, what if you just give it to your cousin and say, you know, you just pay the utility bills this month and, you know, we'll call it quits kind of thing.
2: Would I actually have a problem
0: with
1: that? That's not really uh, making I, a I... profit. You're letting someone else use it, but that's not necessarily making bank off it. No, they're paying the utility bills when so they're there they're letting someone else use it when you're not there i i don't know maybe it is sticky but
0: (laughs) do you think dave that they had to i mean what was the pressure on them do you think to actually pass something yesterday at member services committee and i phrase that with the point that committees are notoriously (laughs) long-winded sometimes about the uh the decisions that they make and the recommendations that they land on
1: i think there was a lot of pressure to get it done uh before the ucp leadership vote before the uh at least on the ucp side to bring this motion forward and get something dealt with so they can just wipe this try and wipe the slate clean and try and get the matter kind of off of the public radar say we did something about it our guy screwed up we did something about it
0: he's not our guy anymore he's not our, (laughs) but he was
1: our guy at the time our guy did something did something wrong he messed up uh let's make nice, let's just move on and, and get back so we can start attacking the government again for wasting money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, a beautiful irony.
3: The MLAs have a lot of power over their own pay and perks. They, they determine, basically, their pay and perks and the rules that govern those. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, there's a, a feeling now, this happens every once every decade. This kind of thing blows up. People get upset in the public, and the MLAs say, look, we'll bring in some rules, we'll change the rules, we'll make sure we're doing things better, And then it goes underground. So give it till 2027. It'll be another story.
2: But I I do think that this is an unusual moment in Alberta political history, because for the last 20 years, you know, you've had more than 20 years, but, you know, for the last decades, you've had one party in power. They seem to have an eternal hammerlock on power. And so they didn't have a lot of interest in making things more transparent. Now you have this really interesting moment where you've got an NDP government that is, you know, sort of wrapped itself in a flag of moral probity, and you've got a UCP opposition that has also wrapped itself in a flag of moral probity. Uh, And so, you know, you have this kind of conspiracy of self-righteousness. And so I think that they're probably going to end up passing rules that future governments may rue. But at, at this point, there is a kind of a Puritanism Uh, about public spending at the legislature that I I think you have this, this really odd intersection of those two forces.
0: And one other thing that Graham and I, we've been discussing this, it's accommodation allowances, but that some MLAs use that in order to purchase a home or an apartment, and then they resell it. And this caused a huge kerfuffle in the in the early 90s, yep. um, back when I had never even heard of Alberta because I was in primary school in Australia. <laughs> and <laughs> it caused quite a kerfuffle here. Graham and I thank you for that. You're welcome. Well, e- either
3: you're very young or very stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Some would say both, Graham. Some would say both. Um, but this issue of buying a home, and then reselling it for a profit. And I asked Member Cortes Vargas about that yesterday, and she kind of said, yeah, look, that's something. I mean, the idea is that you can't be, in essence, double-dipping. You can't be making money off of the taxpayer. But that's one of those... She kind of said, "Well, everyone has different situations. You know, what if you're you're a parent with kids, and maybe you need a babysitter, or grandma stays with you to look after the kids while you're in session. And so, what what can they even do about that? Could you think? Do you think, Graham, that they can just rule out MLAs using their allowances to buy homes? Well, the, of properties? course they
3: could. They, they, they can do whatever they want when it comes to their rules. They could say that from now on, you cannot buy a home." With you know that was you can't buy a home and then use your um, allowance to pay your mortgage, which was a big issue back in the 1990s. And if, the thing is, so a big issue and nothing was really done about yeah,
0: it. Yeah, yeah. People
3: can still do it. See, back then, going back to Paula's point about you go back to the PCs when they're in power. If you got elected as a PC, especially in rural Alberta, <laughs> you were there for life,
2: and you were on the gravy train. So then you could actually, your actually then
3: you buy a house in Edmonton, you can pay <laughs> off the mortgage with your housing allowance. Now most of the MLAs are brand new; they're new to it, yeah. and they don't know how long they're going to be there. So I think it's not it's not as big an issue about people actually buying homes, thinking they'll be here for the long the long term.
0: But is it something they need to look at? I,
3: I think uh, yes. I'd say ideally, if you're going to say MLA should not be making money, they're double dipping off this, that yes, they should be looking at this because it's, it's another way of doing it that you're you're buying a house or a condo, whatever. You're paying off the mortgage with um, your housing allowance, and when it comes time to sell it, you're making a profit off that.
1: Not necessarily. You could be a one or well, housing prices could, could fall go down. on that four years, and you'd lose money on the house. But I do see your point, is that long-term, especially if you serve eight, ten years, you can turn around and sell that house. For a profit at the end of the day and they they do raise a good point about whether or not you're double dipping um either way at the end of the day someone's making money off the taxpayer whether it's a property manager or the mla someone's profiting off us setting up allowances or hotel owners yeah
2: but you know i mean this is the reality this is a giant province this is a province larger than many european nations Mm -hmm. and if you're going to have people who are going to be coming back and forth from far away to the city um I mean, you have to make some kind of reasonable accommodation for them. Yeah. You know, I mean, either that or you pay rural MLAs more than you pay urban MLAs, uh, the city city of Edmonton MLAs. That's not going to be a very popular
3: project. Build a dorm for the MLAs. (laughs) Use the old annex. They can live in the old annex.
0: Yeah, it just, I mean, there's plenty of room Actually, in that's the That's not federal a bad building.
3: idea. Turn the annex into an apartment, building, apartment <laughs> building for the uh, out of town MLA.
0: got a lovely view. They can just walk over. You know, it's a bit They're healthier. very close to work. Very close It'd to be work. like a big clubhouse. It'd be like some, it's like some a frat house. Yeah.
2: Sleepaway camp. for. Uh,
0: and the annex is halfway between the federal building and the legislative building. So,
2: I mean, no problems there either. And it is a fantastic work of mid century modernist architecture, the first curtain wall structure in Alberta. That and too. I'm very keen and to and save it, is it from as demolition. Ugly as sin.
3: Only, <laughs> only no. uglier building is the um, the terrace building. Okay, the
2: terrace building they can tear down. They can totally tear down the terrace building, which is also an interesting work of modernist architecture, but blocks my view of the river, so. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> I'm glad that this moved on into a discussion about architecture. Let's move to um, the next kind of ruling, which is who's going to be ruling the UCP. Now, entries Call have Call it the closed. Two Towers edition. <laughs> <next>. <laughs> entries have closed. Are we... Cl- can you see, is
2: that entries? Yeah, entries have closed. Yes. We know who's going to be running. Mm-hmm. Although um, although they've paid, as I guess, they've paid the deposit, right? They haven't fully yeah. paid the well, total. Well, two of
3: them have paid the total, 95000 so uh, Kenny and Gene. The other two, I believe, have only paid only 57500 <laughs> The other bit is due yeah, on October 5th. Due October 5th.
0: October 5th, yeah. right? Yeah. So who have we got running?
3: Well, Brian Gene, Jason Kenney, Doug Schweitzer. And Jeff Calloway.
0: Well done, Graham. And who's not in the race?
3: The last Paul minute. Hinman. <laughs> there Paul we go. Hinman. Um, this is a trivia question. End of the year <laughs> trivia question. Paul Hinman. This has perplexed me. I can see why the other four are in the race. Um, Hinman, he's a former leader of the Wild Rose, but it was called the Wild Rose Alliance a decade ago. Former right. MLA. Very right wing. Very conservative. And he announces on the weekend he's in the race. I saw, <laughs> I saw this on Twitter and I thought, wait, what? Exactly. What? He has a web page up. The way, where did this come from? Because he announces on the weekend, but he has until Tuesday at 5 o'clock to raise $57,500. Oh, easy,
0: easy. The babe. minimum
3: to enter the race. <laughs> he says, I will now start fundraising on a Monday morning, basically. <laughs> and he didn't do it. And he, he told uh, a reporter. Uh,
2: uh, unsurprisingly, perhaps.
3: Well, he told a reporter, well, maybe I should have started my campaign earlier. <laughs> Maybe.
0: Understatement of the year.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't, this, this completely caught me off guard. I did not ex- didn't see it, didn't expect it. But of course, the fact he wasn't in the race, he couldn't raise the money in two days, was no big surprise.
0: Oh, now, I don't know, I don't know Paul and I've never met the bloke. I'd never heard of him before in my life. Is this a big surprise that he was, A, going to run? Like,
3: yes.
2: Well, I mean, if he'd announced it six weeks ago, I would have been moderately surprised, not as surprised as I was. Oh, this, this even weekend. if I heard his
3: name being whispered around, very yeah, often you hear people's anything. names yeah. being talked about as possibilities to run. No, his name was never once mentioned by anybody that I talked to that he might even be interested in running.
0: So you're saying, Graham, that if I want to raise $57,500 in two days, I'm probably not going to be able to do it. I
3: didn't say you couldn't do it.
2: Oh, thanks, Graham. <laughs> no, I mean, Paul Hinman, I think, I mean, his politics are, you know, on the right end of the spectrum. When he was an an MLA, I think people generally thought he was a good MLA, a nice enough chap. Um, But he was the person who couldn't get the party over the finish line. I mean, the the party ousted him for Daniel Smith. Uh, (laughs) We know how that story ended. But, you know, he, he wasn't perceived as having the wattage to take the party to the next level mm. when he was the leader the last time. So he certainly wasn't going to be the person who was going to be the, the, the leader of the moment this time either. But he I guess... He make
1: Ed Stelmack look charismatic.
3: Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, if he had run, he, he would have made Jason Kenny look moderate.
2: OK, no, but it's, uh, you know, I remember years ago uh, during one of the Tory leadership races and, and a particular junior cabinet minister called me up to sound me out about what I thought about him running for the leadership. And I got off the phone and I thought, are you mad? What on earth would possess you to think that you could be premier? And I, I said that to Graham and Graham said, no, no, you do not understand. They all think they could be <laughs> premier.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so Especially in the, uh, the echo chamber that is their office. Yeah. Right? People say, yeah, you can do it, boss. You betcha. Uh, I think the same thing with Paul Heyman, maybe. I don't know who'd be telling him he, could have, he has a chance of running, especially like with two days left till the deadline.
2: But what I find really fascinating about this isn't sort of who's out But who's in? I mean, I wrote a column last week while Graham was away. I got to write a a provincial affairs column. Uh, (laughs) Two two polls that had come out that showed uh, Brian Jean far, far in the lead among regular garden variety Albertans, Mm. Uh, but not amongst, I fear, for Brian Jean's sake, uh, card-carrying voting members of the UCP. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how Jason Kenney who is very keen on being leader and his focus now is on being No, 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 leader. no, no. He's
0: doing it under a spirit of humble servitude. <laughs> Sorry, Paula. Public interrupt. service. That's yeah. right.
2: Um, very keen to be leader. Mm. Um, the United Conservative Party, we'll see on October 28th just how united they are. So I suspect
0: you don't think they're going to be very united. Well,
2: I mean, any leadership race is going to look right. adversarial. The question of, of, a, of a grown-up political party... Uh, is, okay, once you have a fractious leadership race, can you then join, you know, close ranks and uh, go on with no hard feelings and everybody getting behind the new leader? Remains to be seen whether this little brand new baby political party can pull off that conjuring trick.
0: Right, because of course this week we had a couple more endorsements.
3: Well, yeah, we did and we didn't, didn't we? There's a bit of a it's interesting. That came out um, on Wednesday. It would have been Wednesday. We saw a news conference with Jason Kenney and some special guests. And ben, I really did Ben's think it was... putting that in air quotes, everybody. Yeah, well, special, special guests. Because right. <laughs> I was talking to some colleagues. We thought, ooh, Harper? Oh, my goodness. That'd be a big, big thing for Harper to come out. Stephen Harper to come out and endorse him. And uh, no, it was uh, Rick McIver and Jason Nixon, uh, MLAs. And it was a kind of letdown. The same day, though, we had Brian Jean announce... In a news release, he had the endorsement of two mayors and a former conservative MP, Myron Thompson. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, one of those mayors, Rimby, apparently didn't give his official blessing to endorse (laughs) Gene. That was a story that uh, James Wood wrote, mm -hmm. saying that the mayor of Rimby said, well, hold on, I wrote some emails back and forth to Gene, I support him, but I wasn't officially saying you can use my name publicly. So that kind of um, puts a bit of a, a cast, to me, a question mark over Brian Jean's campaign. If, if, if you're rushing out the, the names of mayors as endorsements and, and you get them wrong in a sense, you didn't have the proper endorsement from the endorsee uh, endorser, I think there's a problem here. It shows that uh, maybe the, the campaign's having some, some trouble getting traction.
0: Is the strategy there, though, they're like more everyday folks than your standard MLA, perhaps? It's it's to shore
1: up rural support, right? Mm. You know, there's not a ton. Paula wrote a piece about uh, UCP memberships, and there aren't many in Edmonton. There's a lot in Calgary and a lot in rural Alberta. You could assume that Jason Kenney has Calgary sewn up. That's his territory. That's his backyard. He won huge majorities as an MP in his riding in Calgary. So, you know, does Brian Jean see the need to get more rural votes, more rural yes. members. Yes, um, the answer to that so, question is yes. So having the support of rural mayors, if they're you know if they're popular, if they're well-regarded in their communities, it would be seen as a coup for him. My favorite uh, on endorsement of the week, I saw this on Twitter, um, community newspapers will routinely and regularly give uh, their local MLA uh, platform the a weekly column or a monthly column to say this is what's going on in our riding i know the pcs were derided a, a bunch of years ago because they were all boilerplate in a bunch of weekly newspapers you had different uh photos on the column but they were pretty much all the same talking points <laughs> it, i believe it was wayne drysdale used his uh column in the Drumheller paper he gave the space to just some regular joe <laughs> who wrote him a letter That was his column Was a letter from a guy Trashing Brian
3: Jean
0: Oh, Wayne Well, <laughs> Wayne came out this Wayne Drysdale came out this week And endorsed Doug Schweitzer yeah, as That's well. right Yeah, yeah. on, on, on Wednesday It was
3: a day of endorsements It was, on yeah I
0: endorsed a kitten
2: gif on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> But that's interesting I mean, Drysdale obviously comes from the uh,
1: Progressive know, fr- fr- Progressive yeah. conservatives yeah.
2: yeah I mean, I don't know that I don't know that before this year I would have called Wayne Drysdale a progressive uh, But he was a a very respected m l a um knew his portfolio actually answered and asked questions in qu- both both when he was a cabinet minister before and as an opposition member he's a very good parliamentarian he's super chill, uh, yeah. so the fact that he endorsed you know Schweitzer, who is let us face it a no hoper in this race, sorry mr Schweitzer uh <laughs> But, but them's them's cold facts. I think uh, you didn't
3: make predictions, Paula. <laughs> I don't make predictions. Uh, I, I just, just say did. true. <laughs> it just Unless it's negative. <laughs> okay.
2: I, watched, I watched Arrival last night, so now I believe I can see the future. Oh. <laughs> and it's
3: round Fantastic and round movie. and
2: goes in circles.
3: A good movie.
0: I'm trying to think of who else has endorsed who. So we've got a lot of the huge well, th-
3: Think about endorsements, though. I-, I think there's more for Brian Jean, but we've seen in the past, endorsements really mean nothing.
2: They don't, do
0: they?
3: We've no. seen leadership races where Jim Dinning got basically everybody. Every
2: endorsement and still lost. Lost. Uh, and, and where Gary Maher got Gary, every endorsement exactly. and still lost. So, mm. And
3: people like uh, Alison Redford got one endorsement from an MLA who actually didn't even win his nomination. <laughs> and oh, really? And she won, so <laughs> endorsements only take you so far. It helps you get a few headlines, but it doesn't actually help you very often. These guys aren't very good at getting the votes out and selling memberships, so there's no guarantee that an endorsement was actually going to help you at all.
2: in fact, in Alberta, contrarian yes. province that we are sometimes <laughs> a celebrity endorsement just makes people annoyed and so, basically i 'm not going to do you just because just because Mr. Big Guy endorsed you i 'm not going to I 'm not going vote for you just because Mr Big Guy said so." <laughs> That is a great impression of Alberta, Paula. Well done. Get my (laughs) (laughs) F-150.
0: I want to switch gears now. Speaking of F-150. Ah? Ah? Ah, Yeah, anyway. Um, (laughs) I want to talk about the NDP government this week was in Fort McMurray for their first cabinet meeting in, I think, eight weeks Does anyone know why they were in Fort McMurray?
3: I think that announcement on Wednesday, Thursday,
0: oil sands.
3: Yeah, the announcement regarding an expansion of the oil sands, but a Japanese company. Mm -hmm. This is, I think, this this is to me why they did it. They knew the announcement was coming. It did not catch them off guard. (laughs) They go up there and you wave the flag in Brian Jean's backyard, talk about the oil sands and fact that you know they're, they're supporting oil sands. You got Brian Jean this week. Speaking of Brian Jean getting a little bit desperate, he.
2: He went on this weird Twitter rant.
3: He, wanted, well, he had that um, rally, if you can call that, with 25 people. Uh, he was talking about how the NDP, he says, is overtly trying to shut down the oil sands. Not just their policies are damaging, but actually they want to shut down the oil sands. That's going too far. Premier called it a ridiculous statement. I agree with it. It is ridiculous. Um, but anyway, Premier was up there, two days of uh, cabinet meetings, and then they had this big announcement regarding the Japanese plant uh, company um Investing in the oil sands. That is, to me, why they were up there.
2: And it's interesting because this is at the same time that in BC they had a, a, a big unannouncement this week of the uh, big LNG project, the one in Prince George. So, you know, it, it Notley's press office was having great glee with pictures. Here's Rachel Notley. Look at Rachel Notley, queen of the oil sands. Here she is standing next to some giant pieces of equipment and pipes. Um,
3: and cutting a ribbon, <laughs> like literally cutting a ribbon. <laughs> With these other Japanese investors
2: yeah, so you know it it, it, it was a, it was a bad week for Brian Jean to say that she hates the oil sands because there she was. she was practically bathing in bitumen
0: <laughs> but uh, I mean it's one thing for the premier to go up and say like, "Oh, you know what there's going to be a thing in the oil sands, and and there's going to be investment in the oil sands. I'm going to go to Fort McMurray, but it was every single or oh, not every single cabinet minister, but a huge chunk of them had events, mm-hmm. and an actual cabinet
2: meeting' well- I don't- well, I mean, part. Of, I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to pick up seats in Fort McMurray because it is, as Graham says, Brian Jean territory. But this is, you know, a, a year and a bit after the fire, and I think that mm-hmm. they. I think that's also what that was about.
1: Yeah, it's partly showing support for that community, and I, I think also just the optics of hey, we're all invested in Alberta's economic hub and they've taken a lot of flack about uh, coal and their programs for communities like Grand Cash. I know it was Darren Billis that uh, made an, uh, an announcement related to revitalizing the economies yeah. in towns that are hit will be hit hard by uh, policies around coal, and I don't think that has really resonated in those communities, but I think that showing Albertans that they're... Uh, invested and supportive of the oil industry is something that, that serves them well, especially, as you say, uh, Graham, talking uh, Brian Jean's rant that the the Knotley government is uh, anti-oil and trying to shut down our oil sands. It's a big thumb in their eye.
0: Well, because on that point, I suppose, a lot of government ministers did go out this summer and do little kind of mini tours that were... We were asking about where exactly they were. So you had Darren Billis go out and talk to the coal communities. Irfan Sabir went up north and visited a lot of communities and social services programs. Uh, Danielle Larrave did the same with um, child care programs, I think. Um. Uh, you
3: had Shea Anderson everywhere mm. over the summer. Yeah. I think that they, they know that they've, well, in fact, they'll, they'll admit they haven't been the best in talking to rural communities. And I spent some time on the road with uh, some of the MLAs, both, well, um, Jason Kenney and Brian Jean, as well as the NDP uh, MLAs, especially Shane Anderson. Um, and you can see people were getting upset with the government. A lot of people in rural Alberta see the NDP really focused on Edmonton and Calgary and Red Deer and Lethbridge. And if you're rural Alberta, the Red Deer is a major community compared to your small town. So they were thinking, look, this government is focused just on the major communities. Um, Red Deer got a, a new, new court um, going to be built there. So people are upset, thinking money's all going to these major centres. So the NDP knows it has a problem uh, with the perception, if nothing else. Because the NDP, federally and provincially, the governments are spending more in infrastructure in rural areas, but the the point isn't getting across to a lot of people. Mm. So the government's doing more to try and reach out to rural communities.
2: And now, of course, with the big fires in Waterton and the municipal district of Pincher Creek, that's going to be an area that's going to require... Some government investment mm-hmm. too I don't know how that's going to shake down Because a lot of the damage is within the National Park But, you know, that's going to be I don't know that the Waterton Fire Got as much attention in Edmonton As maybe it deserved I mean, it wasn't as big as the Fort McMurray Well Fire But that was, that was pretty frightening To have a fire that came right into the National Park yeah. um, You know, burning down buildings Right in the town site So that's going to need to be a focus For this government as well in in the coming weeks and months all right let's move on to our regular segment good stuff from
0: the gallery in which we recommend things you should read or watch or listen to uh that we've seen because we thought they were great and you might like them too or maybe not but you might so dave breck what do you got for us mate
1: well considering the municipal election in edmonton is going to be pretty sleepy uh if you want to get some municipal election excitement you could do far worse than uh reading some of the stuff in the Calgary Herald around the arena fight you know, <laughs> for Edmonton readers who also haven't enough, haven't had enough arena talk in their lives. Uh, the municipal <laughs> campaign got really interesting there this week. You had uh, last Monday or this past Monday, the week has just kind of bled into itself. You had, um, <laughs> incumbent mayor Nahid Nechi he held, he released this video that that talked about this grand plan for a neighborhood called Victoria Park, which if you know, Calgary uh, borders the stampede grounds. Um, And part of this big centerpiece for this whole district um, was a new arena. And talks on the arena had gone to ground uh, in July, and we hadn't heard anything about the arena uh, until this week. And then I get the sense that the flames didn't, like his video too much, and the fact that they hadn't talked about it because on Tuesday, uh, you had Flames president Ken King and NHL commissioner Gary Bettman, who was in the town for an event, most popular
2: man in Canada. Yeah,
1: come out and do a <laughs> do a presser, basically saying no, we're we're not looking for a new arena anymore. It didn't didn't work out, and so. There's going to be a lot of heated talk around the arena during the municipal election campaign. I've been fast. Don Braid has written some great columns on it. Um, Eric Francis has written on it, uh, both in the in the Herald and in the Calgary Sun. You've had Rick Bell write some columns on it. And just this kind of fight, this stare-down fight, a uh, bit of a proxy war uh, between uh, Nancy and his strongest contender bill smith but uh the flames kind of being a proxy for bill smith i get the sense they're not officially but i i get the sense that uh they're you know that he's the bill smith is happy not our bill smith uh, former yes, PC yes, just, executive. Just, just so we're clear, yeah, the <laughs>
2: former president of the PC party, and not the former mayor of Edmonton. Yeah,
1: Bill Smith is running against uh, Nenshi, and um, <laughs> I get the sense that he's uh, perfectly happy to see uh, uh, Nenshi kind of taken aback by a fight with the Flames.
0: Oh, Calgary, bless its
1: soul. Yes,
2: uh, Paula, what do you have for us? I also have a piece inspired by municipal politics, the uh, mayoral race in Saint John's, Newfoundland. Woo! Uh, I love Newfoundland. Where one of the contestants uh, is Australian. Uh, his name is My Finn. People. He's an Australian cattle dog. Um. <laughs> And he's running for mayor, and our pal Tristan Hopper has a great piece in the National Post called "Why Finn Can't Win," an analysis of why animals cannot run for office in various Canadian elections, uh, which he writes with a completely straight face. Um, it also gets my award for the best photo caption, perhaps of all time, because at one point he's talking about how a crawfish tried to run for the U.S. presidency. I think it was, and and the illustration is a picture of a crawfish with the caption, you know, pictured a less ambitious crawfish. <laughs> so I highly recommend Why Finn Can't Win.
0: Okay, I've got uh two pieces, but one of them is called The Doctor Who Took on Death. It is a piece in McLean's magazine and it is freaking amazing. Um it's a story about uh Dr. Sandy Buckman. So he he was a palliative care doctor and he also is Um, helping with euthanasia, and it's his story, and it is so heartbreaking. It actually made me cry, and I'm dead inside. So I was actually on the plane on my way to Guatemala reading that and sobbing in my seat. It is an incredibly... Incredibly powerful read. Uh, the other one is from The Atlantic, and it is called The Gentleman from Arizona. And it's about a Republican called Jeff Flake. Oh, and yes. It is a great read about how he is copying a lot of flack from um, the hard right and Trump supporters because he's not Trump enough for them. He's too nice for them.
2: He's also been a quite outspoken critic of Donald Trump and has been. Yeah, for, for months and months now, and Trump has made no secret of the fact that he's you
0: he's know trying that... to get him out of office. Yeah. basically, yeah. It's a great read about him, and I uh, not too long either. It's a, it's a good read. Uh, Graham, what do you have? Hey,
3: speaking of Trump, well, it's not really on Trump. Oh, Hillary Clinton has written the book. <laughs> now I have not read the book, but my good read just, is an just, article,
2: just, just like all the Amazon reviewers. What's <laughs> exactly. Well,
3: it's, it's actually a um, it's actually a review type thing. An article in the Atlantic. A person's actually read the book explaining why it's, it's worthwhile reading. Yeah, a lot of critics right now, especially conservatives, are saying, hey, Clinton, just shut up, go away. Well, if you're really conservative and believe in free enterprise and let the market decide, if the book is going to sell well, it's going to sell well. I think, I think it is actually selling well. So it's actually an article about why the book is worth reading. and it explains it's not just a typical uh, politician's book. It's actually quite a good look back at actually what happened, mm. the title of the book. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so it's so worth reading the article to see if the, if the actual the book's actually see worth See if it's reading. worth reading the book.
0: Yes. Guys, thank you so much for joining me, Dave, Paula, and Graham here at the Press Gallery. And you can subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or TuneIn Radio, your favorite podcast program, so you can get all the latest episodes delivered right to your device. And we hope you'll join us this time next week on the Press Gallery.